let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are back with another snippet. And once again, we have beer already in glass this evening, don't we, mate? We do, and I have to be, I'm very much looking forward to this one. I'm not sure you're so much looking forward to yours, but I'm definitely looking forward to mine. I'm, I'm looking forward to it based on the name. Um, style-wise, not necessarily something I would go for, but let's let let's Style-wise, you're unsure, aren't you, Steve? Just just <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit. So what what are you drinking this evening, mate? What's what's first in your glass tonight? So once again, very kindly, Brew York have sent us um, a selection of beers, and from that selection, I decided to go for Kiwi, a New Zealand brown ale that comes in at five percent. It is in glass, and upon first pour, it looks absolutely superb. Nice one to two finger head, creamy head. I'm ready to drink it. What have you got, mate? I have got, um, again, from Brew York, part of the, the, the care package that Lee sent down to us, uh, a beer called HHH, which is a double dry hopped pale ale coming in at 4.3%. Uh, pours fairly hazy in the glass, lots of juicy tropical notes coming off of it. Um, and I am actually looking forward to, to my first taste of it based on the aroma alone. So uh, without further ado, should we dive into these beers tonight? Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's really nice. So this is a, like I said, it's a kiwi brown ale. It's malty. There's a little bit, a little bit of roastiness, very dry at the back end as well. There's a little bit of fruit coming through, but I think I need to go into it a little bit more just to really dig into that. But like I said, for the 5%, this is, this is sort of like a bit, I think we've spoken about it before, Steve, and I know that River and Brews has, you know, like American brown ale style. It's like other people have taken, other countries have taken the brown ale, which is a bit, quintessentially misguided over here perhaps at times and have done what we should always have done with it just made it a very very palatable and enjoyable drink i'm really looking forward to tucking into this yeah i had that um earlier in the week and I, i've got to say i found it absolutely delicious everything you said there about it is is exactly what i was getting from it i was maybe getting a little sweet caramel as as well from it and uh, uh wrapped around those sort of fruity notes that you spoke about but yeah in as insofar as a a five percent really easy drinking brown owl with new world hops in it absolutely delicious beer really really delicious and um, what are you thinking about the hhh mate it's okay it's uh oranges and lemons that's that's the thing that's really jumping out flavor wise for for me decent amount of carbonation big citrusy notes up front um and then just kind of a soft that soft finish that you'd expect it's very much um more east coast leaning in in its style wise there's there's oats in there they've used quite a few of the cryo hops as well so it does it does soften those flavors uh but it is actually really really drinkable really 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 refreshing for what is quite a a warm evening as we recall it is hitting the spot funny you should say that you had the kiwi brown ale on the uh, bottle share the other night i had the hhh and i found it to be very much the orange and lemon almost to coin a phrase squash like because it hasn't got that fit although it's got uh the additions in the in the malt bill that you've 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 mentioned there it doesn't make it quite such a thick beer it's still quite light in the body so i still found it quite a refreshing fruity drink to have and at the 4.3 percent, it was it was in the right range it didn't feel like it was trying to do too much it was quite a simple version of perhaps that east coast leaning juicy bomb 
without going overboard. Yeah, I, it's one of the more palatable ones for my for my liking this year. Yeah, it is. It's it's really enjoyable uh, to drink. I mean, Lee Lee did send us over some notes to to accompany the beers that we are doing tonight, and and both of the beers that we're drinking at the moment were both first brewed back in 2016. So so the kiwi was originally part of Brew York's core range, uh, and is a personal favourite of, of of Lee's. Um, but he was gutted when, due to poor sales, um, basically that to remove it from the core range because nobody wanted uh, a brown owl at the time uh, and they now just rebrew the kiwi once a year so that's that's become kind of an annual release and in terms of the hhh that was um their first hazy juicy beer that they did again back in 2016 uh, originally called triple h which was uh, meant to signify hoppy heavenly and hazy uh, but of course the real inspiration behind that was the legend of the wwe scene uh, triple h hunter hurst elmsley who all the wrestling fans that listen to this podcast will know very very well um they rebrew it occasionally and and if nothing else it's a bit of a star favorite a bit of one of those that they go to at the end of a brew day um as, as an easy drinker and i would again that is absolutely typifies what is in that that glass from the the, the hhh beer yeah i mean it's it's you know it's disappointing that kiwi had to be dropped um, as part of the core range, but I think it is purely because brown ale in the UK just a much maligned style for a lot of people, um, and potentially you would avoid it without even trying it. Uh, but it's if you get a chance to try it, like I said, my my initial thoughts are this is really quite drinkable. We're getting a little bit of um, chocolate notes to come through as well now, maybe uh, veering towards that those toffee caramel notes you were talking about as well. So yeah, I'm finding it a really easy drinker. I think I think they both are. Um, now, as we said, uh, we were uh, very very grateful to to receive uh, these beers and quite a few others from from Lee, and he did just put a, a note in with the beers as well. And I do just want to kind of read a couple of the points that he made within that note. So first of all, he said, "I'm delighted to once again be sending you some beers. Thanks for the excellent work with the podcast. It's been great to keep." on listening through pandemic period and try to have some semblance of normal life. It's been a challenging but interesting time for us here at Brew York as it has been across the industry. The industry really does seem to have fallen between the cracks. We're not hospitality or leisure, but without those industries we struggle to exist. Yet to offer broader government support specifically to breweries would set a difficult precedent in the manufacturing sector. Thankfully, we've been fortunate enough to have fabulous support locally and our mail order can sales have been doing well. Without that, I don't think we would be. Anyway, thanks again for your recent mentions, especially regarding Big Eagle, which I know you've both become fans of. And we will get on to that beer a little bit later on this evening. Yep, so no spoilers ahead of that. Absolutely not. Um, while we are drinking our way through these first two beers, though, uh, let's have a chat about what we've been up to. Now, Martin, other than um, trying to do your best to remove an entire pub's worth of ghost ship yesterday, uh, what else have you been up to? Uh, nothing. All I did do was try to drink the pub's worth of ghost ship. Um, <laughs> So yeah, yeah. So we're recording on Sunday. Um, I uh, took a visit from to Suffolk. So I left the, I left Essex County for the second time in four months and went up to Suffolk, a few miles away from Southall, to a little place called Whistleton, uh, where where some of the in-laws live. And we went down to their village pub, who have a wonderful open beer garden space, and um, proceeded to drink ghost ship. And uh, brother-in-law was on the way to the bar. He said, go ship. I said, yes, two, please. 
mainly because the first one wasn't going to touch the sides for very long, and it didn't. Uh, the beer was on top form. I had to say, I thought the pub did a, were doing, from what I could see, a very good job. The service inside was basically they um, marked off an area one metre away from the bar, so that was literally the closest you could get. And when you came to pay, it was literally a stretch over, as far as your arm would go, touch the card, the card machine, job done, and you were ordering that way. Um, I've got no doubt when they do food indoors later on in the evening, everything on that respect will be table service from what I could gather from uh, my brother-in-law anyway. So, you know, first visit was very, very nice, very pleasant. Although I wouldn't say it was necessarily um, a, a cross-section of the UK as a whole. Uh, it was somewhere that I felt personally very comfortable in, which is ultimately was important to me. Um, but as of today, I actually popped along to Billericay Microbrewery into their taproom. They were doing a soft reopening uh, for members only, of which I am a member. Uh, I bought a small shareholding in the brewery a, a few years back. And um, so we were invited to basically to trial it to see how it goes. And uh, it was a bit of an accident. We were going there today because we had to drop something off for one of the indoors, at, uh, one of their relatives in, in Billericay. And so we ended up spending a, a very pleasant couple of hours outside. So they had tables allocated. We did sit with another couple, uh, but again, it felt nicely spaced out. We were outside, everything was table serviced. And when I did go in to pay, they were hoping to do pay, pay at your table kind of thing, but the connection wasn't quite working as well as they wanted it to. But when I went in, they'd, uh, basically they used to have longer tables, which held six to eight people. Basically, they've ended up with tables which hold two, three, maybe four people top. So the aisleway is a lot wider. And they've taken away a table which had board games on it. They've removed one of the sets of takeaway shelves. So they can max out literally using the wall space. So think of a long rectangle. They use the wall space for where people sit in and stand. And then they've got a much wider aisle area. And there's no longer any direct bar service either. So they've definitely done a few tweakings. Um, Trevor the head brewer and owner came out and asked us, he only asked us one question. I think he might send something by email later. And he said, well, what do you think about us wearing face masks? And there was four of us at the table. We said, well, look, you know, obviously we're outside at the moment and we're fine about you not wearing it. But if you want to wear it, you can, you should, you should do what you need to do to feel comfortable is what our, that was a universal answer from all four of us. So I have to be the two pub visits or pub and tap room, I have felt comfortable, but again, the caveat is not very busy both times outside. So that's my, my beer adventure. What I would say is the beers I had at Villaricky were tasting absolutely fantastic. I think some of their beers are now brewed over at Brentwood as part of a, a joint venture agreement between them from last year. And the 6.5% Mayflower Gold was tasting fantastic. What about yourself, mate? What have you been up to? Well, I've, I've not revisited anywhere this week. Uh, I mean, it is encouraging to see that generally um, across the, the, the board on Twitter, there does seem to be very, very positive feedback for the, the, the reopening of the sector. 
uh, which is which is great to hear. I've mainly been drinking at home this week. Just just a few standout beers for for me. One of them is is the beer that you're enjoying right now. Is is that Kiwi from Brew York, which we had um, we had our virtual Essex bottle share this week, and and that was one of the beers that that I had as part of the bottle share uh, alongside some of the other feature beers that that we did again this month. Um, the the other one that was real standout for me uh, was from Cheshire Brew House, the Lupia Zatukan. The, the, their latest brew of that, which was uh, thoroughly West Coast through and through. And I, I remember us having, that was one of the first beers that we tried from Cheshire Brewhouse yeah. a couple of years ago in a bottle. 500 milliliter bottle. And it was a very, very different beast to this new version in the can. Um, yeah. I've, I've got to say that the canned version was absolutely incredible. That blew me away. Really, really tasty stuff. Um, and then just the last one that I want to mention is uh, uh, it was a collaboration between Burnt Mill and Michaela um, called The Weight of Brunch, which was a blend of um, Burnt Mill's Weight of Gold, Imperial Stout, and Michaela's famous Beer Geek series, which is their kind of Imperial Breakfast Stout, uh, which had then been aged in cognac barrels. Uh, and then before it was put into cans, it had also been cold steeped with coffee as, as well. And it was tasting absolutely incredible. I had that after last week's recording and it took me a couple of hours to get through it. It was thick. It was velvety smooth, but then it had this massive coffee hit and it had this beautiful warming sweet notes from the cognac barrels. It was just, it was just a really, really delicious beer. What percentage is that coming at Steve? I think it was about 11%. Uh, the way you described it, I was expecting it to be double figures. It does yeah. sound like a double figure beer. I mean, that sounds like a, quite a dangerous beer to have late on. I mean, all that coffee. I mean, what time did you go to sleep? Three o'clock in the morning? It wasn't, wasn't too bad, actually. Because I think somebody mentioned that on Twitter. Somebody said, oh, good luck sleeping tonight with the amount of coffee that was in that. <laughs> um, but I, um, I think maybe the beers that we'd enjoyed on the show and <laughs> maybe the couple that I had in the afternoon and, and, and then that one probably helped with the sleeping, to be honest with you. That does sound a corker. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a decent collaboration, isn't it? I mean, because Burnt Mill are definitely cracking out some good beers and have been since they opened. And to team up with Michaela to do that kind of beer, not bad. Other than that, um, like I say, I've had a, had a fairly quiet week. I've not even been able to get out on, on, on my bike this week, which has been uh, a real, it's been a real downer for me, actually, I've got to say. So, and this is, a, uh, I mean, obviously I know why, because actually we've, we've both ended up having to put our bikes into the repair shop around about the same time, as it turns out. Again, referencing back to that first bike ride you did back in March, Steve, when you moaned the hell out of it after six miles, only six miles, 10 kilometres. Um, the fact that you're missing the bike and the riding does say something on your, 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 your little journey over the last three or four months. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, you know... I. I, I know from obviously that what I do as a day job that, that, that physical activity, running, cycling is is very very good for the mental health and, and and certainly you know in the times that we've just been through 
where, where we've had to spend a lot of time at home. So, so getting out and that ability to get out is obviously, it, it is good for you. It's good for your, 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 your wellbeing. Um, and yeah, this week I've really struggled with not being able to get out, but I kind of rectified that yesterday by, um, smashing out the longest distance I've ever done on, on a bike. I managed to do, managed to do 48 miles yesterday, uh, which was eight miles further than my previous longest, which had just, just crested 40 the week before. Um, and I was, I could have kept going. I felt pretty good actually. Well, I mean, I think a combination of two things there, Steve, I think your body's now got that muscle memory of doing the cycling. So the legs will churn over even with the break. So you probably actually, you potentially benefited a bit from the break because your legs would have been fresh. So a bit like when you, uh, taper off for a half marathon or a marathon, you tapered off without doing it on purpose. And also, I do believe you did actually, the, the, the repair shop visit has probably benefited you as well. It, it has. It's, uh, my bike is like new. So my 15-year-old mountain bike that's a rust bucket um, actually appears, was, was almost on the verge of falling apart. They've given it a service and it runs, it runs like an absolute dream now. And, and I think that's, that's obviously helped uh, a little bit as well. And to, to the point where Colin and I, who's, who's the chap that I ride with on, on a Saturday morning, we wanted to hit uh 100k in a single ride by the end of july and we've decided we're going to go for that next saturday so as this is released on thursday uh this coming saturday colin and i are, are going to attempt the 100k ride and i am going to in in my madness in in the way i like to do these things i'm going to live stream some of it on twitter as well from from the phone so um it'll be mostly when we've because we're planning a few stops on, on the way round. So if people do want to see how we're getting on uh, and, and how we're getting on with that challenge, uh, you will be able to follow a couple of little live streams that will be going up on Twitter next Saturday morning. Just search for the hashtag opinions on wheels if that's the sort of thing that you're into. I do just want to say though that I, I know the, the the little chats that we have, this is only the second time we've done opinions on wheels now, uh, but there are a few people that have got involved in it and I just want to thank Adam from the Sheffield Hotcast who, who kind of, because I've been doing these little vignettes while I'm out riding uh, and he did one in reply to, to one of my little <laughs> vignettes as well. He did his own little vignette when he was out on oh, his bike. Brilliant. So, so it's great that people get involved in that. And like I say, if you do want to carry on getting involved, tell us about your cycling stories. It's, it's, not, it's far from a regular feature. It's, it's popping up every now and again. But I'm sure we'll be chatting about it next week uh, when I'm unable to move following the 100k ride. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be recording while Steve, Steve lies down. I don't know about you, mate, but I have come to the end of my first beer. Yes, I'm just holding my glass to Steve, and this brown ale went down superbly well. A bit of that earthiness, the chocolate. There was a lovely bitterness to it as well, just a, a balanced bitterness, so not something crazy, but that bitterness which you get from perhaps a cask beer that just makes you want to come back again to just quench your first. Lovely conditioning on it. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. This is this is what brown ale should be. I, I, I We have breweries in the uk doing it but they're still calling it a style which doesn't doesn't say brown ale and I've, i'm sure they're doing that partly to distinguish themselves from maybe some of the brown watery twiggy hedgerow beers that quite frankly you and i for, for two people definitely don't like and they're, they're giving it another title american brown ale is the same fantastic this is this is easily a four out of five and untapped this beer I think that's possibly what I scored it because I, I did really enjoy that. And um, in the same vein, the, the, the Triple H beer, I've, I've really enjoyed drinking that as well. Uh, really easy to drink, really well balanced. Uh, none of that sugary, sweet cloying going on at the end. 
really well made and, and it's it's a beer that if I, if I was in a pub and that was on tap I could easily do two or three pints of that without even thinking about it uh, especially on a day like today which has been just that nice warmth coming towards if you've been out maybe for a walk for a couple of hours a couple of those wouldn't touch the sides and again I go back to that, that squash analogy it feels like they've got the right balance between squash and water. Whereas some of the beers which we try the similar style feels like they're on the concentrated version and haven't added enough water. So yeah, I would say it's a big thumbs up for the HHH as well. So, so both of the first beers, uh, absolute winners for us. Uh, and now I'm sure we're pretty excited uh, to move on to what is our main event this evening. So this is Big Eagle 2020 from Brew York. It's a West Coast IPA. Um, and Lee did send us some great notes about this beer in particular. It's one that we've both tried before. Um, we both ordered it a few weeks back when it was first released, and I think we both waxed lyrical about it then. Um, but this is what, what Lee said about it. Uh, it was part of the original core range back in 2016. I'll tell you what, they had a cracking core range in 2016, didn't they? I know. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I'd known a bit more about them in 2016. Me too. Uh, it was the third ever beer that they brewed commercially, having come from a home brewing background. At the time that they launched it, they only ever produced cask beer, later moving into bottled beer. Having launched in a staunch cask beer city, at the time Big Eagle was 6.5%. And whilst they loved it, it was not a huge seller. Uh, Lee says he was interested to hear us debating along with Rob from Hopzine, the stereotypical West Coast IPA. For him, the ambition is Pliny the Elder, and if he can make a beer that's 10% of what that beer is, he'll retire a happy man. For me, the style needs to be piney, resinous, bitter, and importantly, needs a good malt backbone and strong colour that that brings. For me, this is the major fault with many modern interpretations of the style. They lack conviction. It's almost like they were too scared to fully commit, thinking that they can't stray too away, too far away from the hazy straw beers. I, for one, am really, really pleased that they've decided to brew this again this year. Uh, Big Eagle 2020 is a 7.1% West Coast IPA. Uh, available in 440ml cans, so a little bit more on, on the ABV than that original version, but great that it's back, uh, and I know it's a beer that we both have enjoyed before, and, and it is going to be an absolute pleasure to, to now enjoy this on the show. Uh, definitely. I mean, going back to Lee's uh, notes that he very kindly sent us, I can imagine that a 6.5% cask version of this, not just back in 2016, but even now, it would be quite a hard sell at times people's expectations of cask beer is to be lower on the ABV scale. If it's higher, I mean, on the cask beer, then perhaps you sell less of it over a longer period. Therefore, maybe there's more wastage. So I can understand why that would be a problem. Having said that, as you say, Steve, we've both dipped into the uh, 7.1 2020 version. And um, I think I've done four or five cans of it over the last four or five weeks. I have enjoyed it immensely. And it's now looking at me saying, drink me. So I think we need to get into this. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. And yes, it's still excellent. So all those notes that Lee is looking for from a beer that he says to do to be that West Coast IPA about resinous bitter and the malt backbone of the colour. It's here. It's in this beer. I mean, I can't compare it to Piney the Elder because that's still on my my dream wish list. That hasn't happened yet. And I love the bit he said about lacking conviction because both you and I have spoken about West Coast IPAs privately this year. We've had a few which have gone on to our potential beer of the year list. But I also think that this one 
is probably nailing it better than some of the others we've had. The multi-back bit of sweetness from some of the, the say, the caramel notes you get through, it's piney, it is bitter, it is resinous. There's a lovely fruit aroma on the nose. The carbonation of the mouthfeed is fantastic as well. It's a smashable 7.1%. I absolutely agree on, on that. It, it, it's, that's the one thing for me that it doesn't really taste its ABV. I know we say that very often about beers, but it really doesn't. Um, although there is, there is a little part of my head that just can't get away. All I can think at the moment is I want to drink that 6.5% cask version. I know, and <laughs> maybe one day Lee will do that as part of a festival or something. Um, and you know, judging by the mouthfeel and the carbonation on this, that being pulled through a hand pull in Yorkshire at the tap room, I think would be a fantastic experience and a fantastic beer. That maybe that slightly earthy quality would come through as well. It would make it a smashable beer. I think you and I would be in trouble if they had it on tap on the cast version. I'd, I'd struggle to leave it alone. That's that. That's for sure. That's what I mean. We'd be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> The, the only thing that I can really compare this to that I can, that my, my memory really only takes me back to is, uh, and it's a beer that I do struggle to find these days. I know it's available in some places, uh, but it's um, Sierra Nevada's T Torpedo, their, their IPA. It's got a lot of the same qualities as that. Like you say, it's got that multi backbone. It's got that big resinous hit that comes, comes through, first of all, there's piney notes. And then it just gives way to this lasting bitterness that just goes on and on and on. That's, that's a good shout, actually, Steve. The Torpedo is a, is a very good baseline for you and I because we've both had it before. And yeah, and colour-wise, it feels like it's in a similar sort of bracket as well. Orangey hue about it as well. It lets you know that it lets you know by almost by the colour, but there's something a bit more going on. When I think back to what Lee said there, and I think back to some of the other West Coast leaning IPAs that I have enjoyed this year and perhaps raised the bar for me again because you know we've lacked maybe some quality West Coast IPAs recently in the last couple of years. They were very much of the lighter body and lighter colour, whereas this one has gone bang. We're gonna give you the malt backbone to go along with the bitter piney residence hop character as well. And I had a can last night. It was my last beer last night. It was like, okay, I'm going to make this last. I didn't. It just doesn't last. And that's, this that's my worry now. As, as well. <laughs> um, it's, that's a really interesting point though that I do want to pick up on because I, I have to admit, probably much in the same vein as you, the first time I cracked this and poured it into the glass, I looked at it and I was like, Oh, that's a bit dark for a West Coast IPA. And then I stood back and had this moment and I was like, oh, that's what a West Coast IPA is supposed to look like. It's, it's not supposed to be light. Yeah. You know, we've been trained to accept the lighter colour, the lighter mouthfeel, the lighter body. But think back to the start of your West Coast journey, IPA, your West Coast IPA journey, or even the journey into American beers. This is how they came out. It's almost like the warehoused aged version of those beers a little bit sweet multi backbone coming through yes the hop characters are there but there's a there's a real sense of balance in this beer there's a real there's a proper mouthfeel it's dry it it's it is i can't actually say speak about this beer highly enough right now and like you steve i also thought the same thing when i opened it, I thought oh it's a bit dark but actually is it or is it this how, how it should be so that should be quite interested to hear what other people think because we spoke about the ipas with rob is it you and i rose tinted glasses or is this more akin to the west coast ipa style 
like you say, I think I think there's a yeah for us. There's it's that what thing what Rob said. It's that nostalgia that that's going on. But actually, also, I, I think that you know this has triggered memories in me, and I'm like, no, this is this is what West Coast should be. This is what West Coast beer should look like and what it should taste like. Uh, and yeah, it ticks every single box for me. Definitely. Well, while it's uh, you know we try to make it last to the end of the show, I suppose we should crack on. We we, we probably should, otherwise <laughs> we're going to have no beer left to get to the end of the show with. Uh, so let's 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 crack on with this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was, uh, do you feel some breweries are underrated, and who are they for you? Now straight away, I'm going to jump in with a caveat. When we said underrated, I'm I'm not sure that's necessarily what we meant i think we were meaning more along the lines of overlooked or maybe forgotten about yeah. uh in in the general day-to-day conversations that happen on twitter so we had 393 votes on this one uh 91.3 of people said yes uh 8.7 of people said no uh and as part of the question we did ask for people to make comments and suggestions as to which breweries they that they were thinking about in particular we had over 80 comments on on this one which is which is always uh, a great amount of engagement and we had well over 60 different brewery suggestions as well which is which is quite a significant number when you when you think about it really yeah definitely and you know again obviously thank you to everyone and although you know sometimes we have some fantastic numbers on the amount of votes i think for me and steve the real enjoyment from this kind of poll is when we get all the comments and suggestions as well so yeah 60 plus breweries and there's some i mean the top suggestions there's some cracking names in there steve which i i think you're going to share with us but and there's a couple of them i'm thinking oh yeah yeah actually they're right yeah so so this is this i mean as as always there's a link to this question in the show notes so you can go through you can look at everybody's responses to this but there were a couple that kept coming up time and time again uh and i do just want to run down those kind of re- repeated suggestions so uh st mars of the desert uh almasty odyssey Torside, vibrant forest weird beard and the colonel now, out of that list, there are two that, that really stand out for me. The first of those being a brewery that I still think are massively underrated, overlooked and forgotten, which is Weirdbeard, who produce some fantastic beers. But for whatever reason, they, they don't seem to have kept up with the, the hype train, so to speak. Well, I think they had a few years where... They had a few changes in personnel in the background, didn't they? Um, I mean, they're situated in London outside of what would necessarily be the beer beer bubble in London. But definitely some of my earliest craft beer memories, for want of a better phrase, are definitely led by Weird Beard. I mean, one of our first nights out in Colchester, Steve, was a Weird Beard tap takeover at um, the Victoria back in 2015. That, that was my first ever visit to the Vic Yeah, as, as well. It was a fantastic evening. We had some cracking beers in there. But yeah, I, w- I would say definitely Weird Beard of definitely one of those breweries. Where I think they, they sort of just are, are pretty certain people who loved Weird Beard carried on buying them. Don't get me wrong. I just found them harder to come by. It's interesting now that they've, they've just started canning their, their, their beers as well. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's been part of it as well, is that, that, that they got a little left, bit left behind when a lot of the, the, the breweries that were at the same sort of 
level of output as them moves to Cairns. And it'll be interesting to see if over the coming months, whether they start to become more present again, because they've now got beers in Cairns. One can hope because I've always enjoyed my weird beard. I mean, the little things that kill their sub 4% beer is wonderful. Their, their beer is probably one of the very few Sriracha Ace beers that I enjoy. Yeah, and they are big fans of that. I think, I think the one for me that really stands out, and the same ilk as the Big Eagle that we're drinking, is their Five O'Clock Shadow, which is yep. their American IPA, which is very West Coast in style. And again, if I remember correctly, very similar in, in colouring and, and yeah. flavour to this. Pretty certain that was one of the beers we had on that tap takeover, the, uh, the Vic. And yes, this is, uh, I think, in a very similar ballpark as that one. Definitely. Yeah. So the, the other brewery uh, was the Colonel, which I found quite strange in one sense as to their inclusion as being either underrated, overlooked or forgotten. But the flip side of that is I can understand why possibly because their beers aren't that easy to come across necessarily outside of London. Maybe more so now that they've embraced an online shop fairly early on and were able to get their beers out to people. But prior to that, you had to either be at their tap room, their brewery or um, specialist bottle shops to be able to get hold of their beers. Oh yeah, definitely. And if you wanted their beers on draft outside of the tap room, they were definitely few and far between. I think that was that, that pub, which is en route to where Beavertown first started out in Dubuvier, uh, the Fox. I think they regularly used to have Colonel on tap. Sadly, um, no, not there anymore, is it? Shut down a while no, ago, No, the Fox it? is gone. Yeah. And uh, Craft Beer Co. normally have a Colonel beer on tap in most of their, their outlets. But other than that, it's actually quite difficult to come across. Like you say, they've now got their web shop, and I think we've both ordered from there during the, the last few months as well. I think with Colonel, uh, within the people we interact with, whether that be through the show, Twitter, social media in general, the Colonel are evidently well respected for what they produce. And we're both big advocates of their beers. I think it's their social media presence that perhaps makes them come under the underrated, overlooked, forgotten category. Because quite frankly, they don't really do much on there. Whether that be instagram or twitter to be the two that we perhaps interact with more than most um they don't really do they advertise their colonel arch opening hours now um they talk about when they're going to reopen before lockdown they'd only been open for a short amount of time but you don't see each new beer release advertised there's no iceman pause things going wild and crazy in the background they just sort of get on with it and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why they've ended up on that list, Steve. Well, I think, I think the first comment that, that we had on this one this week probably sums up particularly the Colonel in particular. So from Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers, interesting to see mentions of the Colonel. They're incredible, but surely not underrated when they're consistently in the top 10 of Rate Beers global breweries list. Maybe lacking hype and underrated aren't always the same thing. From Steve Lamond at Beers I've Known, there, there always are the whole hashtag fuss, fuss beer social media thing makes it so those that don't shout as loud sometimes are overlooked everyone says kernel are underrated but they're well known at this stage but there are tons of local breweries that aren't known outside of their own region from james at james moosh 
very interesting reading the thread as to what people consider to be underrated. A number of suggestions on there that I'd say are well-known and highly regarded breweries. From Beer O'Clock Brewing at B.O. Brewing, or Bob Brewing, depending on your point of view, I said no. From reading the comments, it's more a case of those breweries not being well enough known rather than being underrated. I can't underrate something if I've never heard of it. From John at Witchwood John, difficult to answer. Some breweries overrated, some underrated, but it's a question of personal opinion and will change per individual. My underrated brewery, Flower Pots Brewery, never seen their beer outside of Hans. Never had anything but cask, never had anything but a great pint. From another John at Beer in the Suburb, I can think of a few who are overrated and plenty of breweries that are okay, good, great, but who get the right level of recognition that they deserve. I think those who specialise in certain styles are often underrated and overlooked. Braybook and Bohem spring to mind. Sean O'Reilly and Crulia says, a brewery that you rate, but I've never heard anyone else mention, is Grain. Other good East Anglian breweries that are often overlooked include Ampersand, Bruja and Bergesia. And this is a, an interesting one from James Pegler, J.M. Pegler. Really boring, but I think Crouch Vale deserves a mention for its consistently brilliant, low-key offerings. I've not had a beer, bad beer in nearly 10 years, and they are quintessentially the version of Essex that I love. From Dr. Goggles at Burn Angel. Yes, usually because they're very small. I love Beer Inc. Bruco, who are local to me. Excellent range of excellent beers and a great taproom. From Julio Grady at Julio Grady, who is part owner of Neptune Brewery in Liverpool. Our beers are constantly in quality, varied and very drinkable. I feel we can get overlooked though. Whether we're not in with the cool crowd, hip or cans, not eye popping, but we're happy to carry on doing what we do with others who are in similar positions. And finally, from Phil Hardy, generally those not serving Iceman poured hop custard in a vase. A little and bit tongue-in-cheek there, yes. I think, from Phil at the end. Definitely. He, he, there definitely should have been an emoji after that sentence. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Steve? Well, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, uh, yes, I think our wording on the question sparked quite a bit of debate on this one. Um, and, and I think social media does have a huge part to play in it in terms of how active a particular brewery are maybe on social media, um, how people who are termed as influencers are, are, are talking about beers. And, and that's, there's a couple of things to that one in particular. It's, it's, it's are, are they just hyping up those beers because they've been sent them? and that's part of what they feel they have to do? Or are they hyping up those beers because they've actually tried them and they think they're good beers? Um, you, you know, is there any honesty attached to that in, in, in terms of, of that particular hype that surrounds them? And, and also wonder whether how widely distributed a brewery's beers are in, in terms of how they get in the public eye. So as, as you mentioned earlier, I do, I do get quite a few beers from Beer Central. And ironically, and we've joked about this in the past, I get most of my kernel beers from a beer shop in Sheffield. <laughs> so th those, those beers have got to have done the longest route to get to their destination. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It, it does. It, 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 it does. But, uh, and I think that's got a part to, to play to it as well. So I think there are so many factors in, in what influences how visible a brewery are, are to you? you you know are they appearing in your timeline constantly uh is it is it just them or is it other people that are talking about them yeah i think i think there's too many contributing factors to to, to, to this one to be able to give maybe a, a definitive answer on 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 whether you think that a brewery is genuinely underrated 
because they're not known or whether they're underrated because people aren't shouting about them? Um, I think I'd agree with that. I think there wasn't a necessary and easy way to ask the question. And I think that was part of it. And like you say, underrated, forgotten, overlooked. Um, I thought I think some of the the mentions have been quite good. I, I, I want to pick up on the um, Crouch Vale, and I think that was a really good shout. Crouch Vale are about as the crow flies four miles from where I live, and they were one of the first breweries that I discovered in some of my local pubs in Colchester when I was living there. Of a brewery that made some really good, consistent, innovative beers. Some of them single hop. They were massive fans of Yakima, still are. They've won a few camera beer awards as well, beer of the year. And to be honest, you don't often see them mentioned at all these days. That was a really good shout, actually, because you and I have both been a bit disparaging about beers from Essex at times. So it was it was a nice shout out by James there. Um, I definitely think social media plays a part, and your who you follow and who they tweet about, who they speak about. Um, with regard to influencers, um, sadly, I think you may have a point, Steve. Um, and there's been some disparaging comments on Twitter this week about influencers, especially about people asking for freebies. You know, we're, 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 we've been really lucky, especially during lockdown, with two or three breweries have asked us if they're, if they're okay to send us beers. And we would always give them the usual caveat. We will try to showcase them. And we will give them an honest appraisal. But actually contacting a brewer or a retailer and actually asking for stuff is just abhorrent, especially at the moment. I mean, it's bad enough in the best of times, but we're now in the worst of times. So for people to actually actively ask for freebies, fucking disgusting, that is. Absolutely disgusting. I think some of the shouts are really good. Braybrook and Bohem. Um, both of them making some cracking lagers, for example. And I think we know about them because we know that uh, we, we, we sampled some beers from Bohem at the Czech Republic Embassy a couple of years ago. And Braybrook get a shout out pretty much every men behaving badly show. So we're aware of them, but with the wider public are, I don't know. Do you, uh, Steve, do you have a, a few names in mind? If you were answering this poll yourself, what would, what would be, I don't know, your top three? What were your three names that would spring to mind? I do, but I'm very wary particularly around what you've just said in, in, in terms of us being very lucky to have, have, have received um, quite a lot of beer, actually, from quite a lot of breweries during lockdown, uh, none of which we've ever asked for. It's always been the brewery that's approached us to, to send the beers over. And I do just want to make that clear um, to, to people out there. I'm sure our listeners know our values on this anyway, but um, we, we have been exceptionally lucky. But, but two of the breweries that, that, have only probably come to my attention because we've been fortunate enough to receive beer from them would be the Cheshire Brew House and Brew York. They are, I, I probably would never have, have come across Shane's beers had he not ever sent us that first care package a few years back. Um, purely because of the reasons that we've spoke about in the past in terms of the branding and 500 mil bottles and that they, they looked like they weren't really the sort of beers that I'd want to drink. Um, so the, therein lies a lesson it's, itself, never judge a book by its cover. And, and Brew Your Kind maybe would have generally tended to avoid because of a lot of the adjuncts that they use in a lot of their beers. But actually, they're, they're beers that have no adjuncts in them are just, and are just straight up good brewing. They're absolutely cracking beers. So they, they would certainly be two. 
And the third one for me, and I, I know I know he gets a lot of love on Twitter, but I, I still don't think he's as, as widely regarded as he should be, is, is Andy, uh, Elusive Brewing, um, who just consistently turns out excellent beers. Um, I mean, let's go with the latter one, first of all. So, yes, I think Andy at Lucy Brewing gets a massive amount of love. Um, his beers just, I think they do with the people we know. They just don't, and maybe it's partly his own constraints. He can't produce enough beer to get it out there. So I think that's a really good shout. It's a good shout about Brew York and Shane, especially Shane, because you're right. Those beers which we got sent to us, which over three years ago, I reckon, when we were still recording in uh, Shenfield, in the off license um yeah they probably wouldn't have been beers we'd gone for a cheshire brew house i'm not sure how they would ever have appeared on our radar to be honest back then yes we've been lucky enough to receive the brew york beers but i've ordered beers from them since lo- in, during lockdown as well um i've got three free breweries myself and none of them are uh, there's no scientific basis but i've discovered a couple of them recently through my online ordering with um hopley who are a local online and uh, bottle shop so Partizan, who were part of, probably part of the original bubble in London back in uh, 2012. You know, I think they started off by taking the original kit from uh, Colonel, the brewing kit, and part of the Bermondsey beer mole. So the second one I just mentioned, Pressure Drop, and I think we mentioned them recently. Um, I've rediscovered a few of their beers, Pale Fire and Bosco. Bloody excellent. Really, really good beers. Um, the one visit to their tap room over near Beavertown, it was a pleasure to go there. Really enjoyed their beers. And the other one is um, a place we visited a couple of years ago, Steve, on the uh, Quimbo Crawl, uh, Wiper and True in Bristol. Now, I used to see quite a lot from Wiper and True in regard to their beers. I think at the time they had very distinctive branding and they seem to have, they still bring out the beers. I mean, I was in Waitrose earlier and they have quite a decent stock in Waitrose. You know, the night we were there, we think we spent a good couple of hours in there drinking a few of their beers. And some cracking beers, but I don't really see much from them. And I think that's why they've registered as a underrated, overlooked, forgotten brewery. But they're definitely still there and they're definitely still cracking out some some really good beers. So Yeah, I find it I find it difficult to to argue with any of those as well. Um particularly that last one, Wiper and True, yeah. A, another brewery that just churn out consistently good beers. Um and probably don't get the universal praise for, for for what they do maybe um but this, yeah, they're, just, they're just not noisy are they they, they don't create yeah, noise they just get on and do they it's just, it's as simple as that i mean th- this has been a great one to, to chat about i'm sure this one could go on and on uh, and i'm sure it will um so so to you our listeners uh use that hashtag opinions um carry on giving you us your thoughts on this one and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down from hop culture reference at hop culture referee one i have enjoyed your shows lately keep making more makes you wonder does that mean you didn't enjoy the shows before that (laughs) (laughs) oh let's hope not (laughs) yeah yeah, really hated the old stuff. The new ones, yeah, like yeah, them. Yeah, like the short stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, talk less. Uh, from Mike McGuire at McGuire Mike. Gin and beer in my timeline timeline, and on my favourite podcast, The Universe is Telling Me Something. Final one from me, Gareth at Barrel Age Leeds. Good show this week. Interesting to hear about Steve's pub experience, giving me some thoughts on what to look out for when I go back. 
And uh, really interested, Gareth, let us know how you got on at Nomadic Beers, because I think you went there a day before we recorded. So let us know how your experience was. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear how he got on. Uh, now, this one is, is a long one, so, so bear with us on this one. This came to us via DM um, from Steve at Beer Nouveau, and the opening paragraph will explain why it came via DM. Just listen to the last show, a really good one. So we've reduced capacity affecting cask. Sending this one in a DM, as it will likely start arguments on Twitter, and it can wait until after the next show for that. A couple of years ago, not long after I stopped supplying Weatherspoon's pubs, I was still getting emails from their distributor, and one email was asking which breweries were able to supply their beer in pins rather than thirkins. I had an off-the-record chat to try and find out the reason, and quite simply, they weren't selling enough beer to get through the cask before it turned. And whatever else we think of spoons, they do train their seller staff well. So they had a choice to either reduce the range of beers or reduce the size and container. It's not just spoons, though. Over the last few years, more and more pubs have been asking for beer in pins and breweries have been, been investing in pins to supply them so that they can keep the range on the bar to keep the customers happy and to sell the beer quick enough to stop it going off. We've seen micro pubs working very well, only a couple of dozen people in at a time, but they manage to keep a wide range of beers on, often in pins, but still quite a lot of firkins because their customer base is pint drinkers but most of the customers in the city centre bars, the craft bars and the brewery taps don't want pints. They want to try everything in the range and with 10, 12, 20 different beers on, that's impossible in pints. So it's halves or thirds. And while it takes 70 people drinking a pint to clear a firkin, it's 210 people to clear it by a third of the time. For a pin, it's 35 pints or over 100 drinking thirds. So the range available has become the root of its own destruction. With so much choice and people now wanting to drink everything rather than just drink the stuff similar to what they're used to, people don't drink as much and you need a lot more folks through the door. So yes, reduced numbers in pubs could well see the range of beers drop as pubs try to keep them fresh or it could see the size of the container drop or more likely it will see both. Now onto the beer itself. Beer doesn't go off anywhere near as quick as people think. Modern beer goes off. Things like Isinglass in beer go off quickly. Unfined beer, if looked after, right, can last four weekends, not four days. Use of some yeasts can keep a beer gently fermenting in the cask, enough to produce a thin layer of CO2 to stop oxidisation, or a cask breather can be used too. Beer can come in bag in boxes hooked up to handballs to keep it real, but also to stop oxygen getting to it. Some styles of beer age slower too. Anything dry hopped in the cask lasts longer in the cellar. So yes, we're growing into a situation where cask will change, but there's a lot, of, lot that breweries and bars can do to manage that change. Now, as always, always grateful for Steve's input in, into these things. And that's some really great input that he's given us there in, into the whole cask thing. Um, I don't even know where to begin breaking that one down. So if, if people have got views on that, use the hashtag opinions and, and, and get involved in, in that particular discussion. Thanks again, Steve. And some fantastic facts in there as well about size of pins and all that kind of stuff. And I think if we broke it down, there's a whole show in there on its own, to be honest. Uh, now, final comment this week, and this was in reference to me uh, tweeting about a post from four years to the day in, in this past week where um, we sadly uh, decided to finish 
the old Beer O'Clock Show podcast, uh, as, as Mark had decided to hang up his podcast in headphones. Uh, and Miles Lambert responding to that particular tweet said, I remember vividly reading that post. Incredible how different the two podcasts have been. And yet at the same time, the warm, friendly community you've grown remains the same. Four years, though. Really? Yeah, well, obviously, I remember the... Uh... The, li- the last live show that you and Mark did at Hopsburner Black. And yeah, it was one of those very weird moments. Um, but it's flowing by, it's flowing by because I just have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed doing this with you, whether that be in person or via Zoom as we are now. Enjoy the engagement. But yeah, four years, he's right, really. I know, and I know, and we've got, I know we've got our fourth, uh, fourth birthday show coming up in September, which we're we're looking forward to, um, and also next week's show will be the eighth anniversary of the Beer O'Clock Show, as as well, which is for me and again, that's, bloody hell, <laughs> yeah, um, that time has flown by it's absolutely flown by just one question this week and and i do just want to cover this one quickly questions questions fill my head and this is from all our the beer at all our the beer should cameras support pubs by pubs by telling their members not to ask for discount would you ask for a discount or let the landlords keep their profit um i think the answer simply is now is not the time to be asking for discounts I don't, while I don't think camera member, actually, I don't, let's, let's move it slightly wider than camera members. People shouldn't be asking for discounts at the moment. Equally, the pubs that actively canvas camera members to do those special discounts, not only does it mean it sort of uh, alters the market and expectations of people, because they then expect a discount to become the norm, we know full well it skews some of the voting for pubs of the year as well. So, yeah, scrap discounts, scrap the spoons vouchers and camera should just use the money to campaign for all the things that they hold dear, which is really decent beer and decent pubs. And that's it. Absolutely agree. Uh, now is not the time to be asking for a discount. Give your money to the pubs. In fact, you know what? Give them a little bit more because they're working a little bit harder and they deserve a tip as, as well for everything that they're doing right now. But right now isn't the time to, to be asking for those discounts. And I, I for one... Would, would love to see that incentive offer to become a member of camera disappear altogether. Yes, yes, keep it as keep it as an option to get maybe reduced entry or free entry into a beer festival. But on drinks, no. I, I think I think we've moved past that time. I think we're I think we're both pretty lined on this, but I think it's a really good question. I'd be interested to hear what other people think about that. Yeah, listeners, let us know. Let us know your thoughts on that one. Uh, now, something else that we're both very aligned on is an empty glass and our final thoughts on the Big Eagle <laughs> 2020. Um, I had to drag it out, to be honest. Um, we have rambled on for a little bit on this subject. It's been, it's been a really good chat. And I had to stop myself from draining that long before we got to the end of the show. It's just bloody fantastic. So I think I said about the Kiwi being a four out of five. This is definitely a four and a half plus. And for those of you that follow me as listeners or those of you that heard what I said before, I'm, I take a little bit to give some big marks. This is just hit the spot. If someone gave me another two cans cold, I'd just be drinking them now. This is a five for me. It's a big old five time after time. And this is a bona fide beer of the year contender as, as well, without a doubt. I have enjoyed every single can of this that I got from, from Brew York. Um, of, of which my first all my, my first few were all uh, purchased 
as part of an order and I'm very very grateful that Lee's in, included a few of these cans in, in in the box that he sent over to us as well to enjoy so uh, thank you very much Lee for sending us these beers thank you for rebrewing this again and and I do hope that this one keeps coming back year after year or even month after month yeah put it back in the core range mate don't don't make us wait <laughs> don't make us wait a year to try this again and with that being said we are at the end of this week's show what have we got coming up for our listeners next week mate i think we've already hinted at it uh, yeah so uh beer o'clock show eighth anniversary is on its way hard to believe that Stephen mark started eight years ago and we're going to revisit a few classic beers maybe the those sort of beers that Steve and Mark would have tried in season one, season two. So that's going to be quite interesting. Um, we are planning a special appearance from a guest drinker, but I believe you're still working on that, Steve. Well, yeah, our people are still talking to their people. We haven't yet finalised uh, whether the guest drinker will be with us next week. So uh, we're going to hold off on, on announcing that, but hopefully we'll be joined by a very special guest next week and, and hopefully we'll have uh, a really good time looking back over the eight years and also enjoying the classics and also going into other people's views of classics as well because it was a poll that, that we did recently. Um, so until then... Uh, we look forward to joining you again next week. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.